Welcome back. This week we're talking about changing our minds. And I don't mean being indecisive or wishy-washy. I kind of mean the opposite. We're talking about how we can control our mental state, some practices that we can put in place to change the mental state that we're in. That's a really important thing. We spend a lot of time talking about our goals, the areas of our life in which we're happy and satisfied, areas of our life where we'd like to see some growth. And it really starts with our own mental state. And that is something that we can change. A lot of times people think that it isn't. And I'm, I always think it's important to point out that yes, there are circumstances where maybe someone has a mental health issue and might need some professional services, counseling, medication, those sorts of things. So there are certainly things that maybe can't be easily fixed or easily remedied or worked on, but there are a lot of things that we can all do to help put us in the right mental state and help get us out of the negative mental states that we get into sometimes. Our mental state is a garden that needs constant tending and we can do some things to help set our mental state where we want it to be. And I think a lot of the different things that I do are really, you know, I sometimes think of them as mind games a little bit. I do things that are just designed to put me in the mental state that I want to be in. And some of them seem very small and insignificant. We've talked about some of them before, but each little thing adds up and makes a big difference. Little things like getting up in the morning right when my alarm goes off or if I wake up before my alarm, getting up and getting on a bed right away instead of hitting the snooze or really just kind of wasting time lying around before I get up and get out of bed. And that takes some mental training. I'll, this morning, the day that I'm recording this video, uh, the alarm went off and I woke up and oftentimes I wake up before my alarm but this morning, the alarm went off and I woke up and I was still kind of tired. I had stayed up a little later than I intended the night before, last night. I was working on some things and didn't maybe get as much sleep as I had planned. And for just a moment, I thought about, I always, I have a couple alarms set. I have two alarms set and they're across the room. So I have to get out of bed to shut off the alarm. That's a first little practice and I turn the one off and I have the second one that's set for a bit of time after the first and I thought well I could just go to bed until the second alarm rings go back into bed but I didn't instead I turned the light on turned the second alarm off made my bed and that's not something that I would have always done. It's something that has come through practicing different things that put me in the mental state to get out of that funk because I was in a mental state as soon as I woke up where I wasn't ready to attack the day in that moment where my first thought 
was to be back in that comfortable bed. And a lot of times, that's where our mind goes. Our mind seeks comfort. It wants to keep us safe and from harm and keep us comfortable. But to get where we want to get, to do the things we want to do, we have to break out of those feelings of comfort. We have to break out of those negative mental states. And luckily, this morning, I didn't give in. I made my bed and then I went about my regular morning routine, which I've talked about before, my breathing exercises. And I did yoga. I got myself primed and ready for the day. And that, I've only gotten to that place by repeatedly doing things to get my mind in a positive state. And the things that I did this morning are no different. Making my bed, that's something that years ago I didn't really consider too much. We talked about it a couple weeks ago when we talked about our first 30 minutes and our last 30 minutes. Those things that I do at the start of my day and the end of my day are designed to help get me in the mental state in which I want to be. So, making my bed, that's the first thing. It's the first mission accomplished. And it gives me just a little bit, just a little sense of pride. Maybe just that little bit of dopamine that says, hey, good job. The first mission of the day accomplished. And then I go and I do my breathing the next thing. And I read some philosophy right away. And that helps get me in that mental state as well. And it's something that works on my physiology. That's something that Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker, talks about. Is if you can control your physical body, doing things physically can then affect you mentally and emotionally. And I certainly believe that's true. There's a lot of evidence to support that. And I certainly feel that way. By doing my breathing exercises and doing physical exercise right away in the morning... I'm giving myself something good to feel about physically and that impacts me mentally. And there's a lot of little things that I do like that all the time. Part of if, I'm, if I get dressed up to go to school for the day, I teach art. So a lot of times I'm getting paint on myself and clay and things like that. But I still often dress up. I'm not dressed to the nines every day. But it's sort of a little mental thing. And for several years of my teaching career, that's not something I really was too worried about. I'd wear this polo and khaki, something like that. Where getting more dressed up was something that in, a, in my mind made it more important, made it more of an event. We get dressed up for events and important things. And it was something from Drew Dudley, who's a motivational speaker as well, who talked about how are you on your first day of work. And I think we've talked about that before as well. But on my first day as a teacher, I was dressed up and I wanted to set this tone and create this culture. So I try to remind myself of that. So getting dressed up is a little reminder that what I'm going to do is important and it's worth getting dressed up for. And it's just a little, it's a little mental trick. It's a little thing that in my head, Okay, I'm hopefully looking kind of sharp and I'm ready to attack the day. I do the same thing with music. I love music. I have music playing constantly. And I have an eclectic interest in music. My favorite music is folk music. 
I like sad songs and I like wordy poetic songs. And there's times where I just want to sit and listen to those things, where I want to be calm. If I'm writing or working on a creative project, that's probably the music that I'm listening to. Gets me in the headspace that I want. But there's other times and I love, I'm listening to hip hop music, rap music. I'm listening to maybe even silly stuff that I wouldn't necessarily say is my favorite type of music, but stuff that's kind of dancey and poppy. And I'll listen to that to help set my mental state. When I get up in the morning, I've often got music playing if I'm, when I'm getting things packed up for the day or anytime I'm doing chores around the house, I've got something playing. And when I wake up my kids in the morning, I've got music blaring more often than not. And it's something upbeat because we're setting the tone for the day. We're getting out of bed, we're getting after it, and we're getting ready to go. And I think that's an important thing. If we're considering controlling our mental state and snapping us out of those negative mental states, I think it really starts with emotion. Because our emotions come before our other thoughts, before our higher order thoughts. Our emotions come first. They come first as we're growing up. As soon as we're babies, we, may, we aren't able to articulate complex thoughts, but we cry when we're hungry. Or if we're hurt, we cry. If we're uncomfortable, we have those emotional reactions. And that's really a... It's a thing in human evolution where the amygdala, the part of our brain, and I apologize if I get some of the science wrong on this. This is something I've studied. I took a class on how the brain impacts students and learning, which I thought was an incredible class to take as a teacher and a coach. But the amygdala, the part of our brain that basically regulates our emotions, develops far faster and earlier in our life than the frontal lobe of our brain that's responsible for the higher order thinking, for the management of those emotions. And that makes sense. In an evolutionary sense, as animals, we had to react. We had to have those fight or flight reactions. We had to react to things emotionally, higher level Cognitive functioning may not have been as necessary for survival. And that was a lot of the early stage of human existence was survival. Like any animal in the wild. Well now, depending on the society and where we grow up, for many of us, our day-to-day -day life isn't so much about survival. About making it through the day, at least not in the same sense as it once was, in sort of the eat or be eaten sense. Today it's more about getting through our mental challenges, the stresses of day-to-day -day life. But it still starts with emotion. I have to remind myself of that sometimes if I say have a classroom full of middle schoolers, and I know some of my middle schoolers are watching this, and I love teaching middle school, it's an exciting, fun age group, but it does come with that 
that thing where I have to remind myself that, okay, the amygdala, that part of your brain, and if I'm off on the numbers a little bit, I apologize, but around 14 years old, on average, the amygdala is fully developed. So we have full, our full range of emotions by about 14 years old. However, the frontal lobe of our brain, the part responsible for reasoning and higher order thought, isn't fully developed on average till about 24 years old. So there's a 10 year gap there. There's a decade lag between our emotions coming full tilt and then our higher order reasoning. That makes sense. In that classroom full of middle school students who are full tilt on emotions and maybe don't have the software yet to manage all of them. And that's not a negative thing. I don't mean that as a knock at all. It's something for me to keep in mind as a teacher. That I have to meet the emotional needs of my students. Probably first and foremost. Of all my students. Middle school and high school. That's something we try to do with these family time things. With the classroom culture. The emotions come first. I tell my students often. And this is not my original idea. But I use it often. Is that. People won't always remember the things that you do, but they'll always remember the way you made them feel. We have such a strong connection to our feelings, to our emotions. And it goes back, I like this analogy too, it's not my own, but it's the idea of the elephant and the rider. The idea is that your higher order thinking, that frontal lobe part of your brain, that reasoning is a rider, a person sitting on top of an elephant. Your emotions are the elephant. So our emotions, if we don't control them, can take us wherever they want to go. They're the stronger force. If the elephant decides to turn left, the rider's going left and can't do anything about it. However, that rider, our upper level reasoning, our higher order thought can do some things to train that elephant, to direct that elephant, to direct our emotions. And that's what we're talking about this week in class. In a lot of the discussions that we've had from family time and just in class, that's something that comes up where people, I want to be more positive about something, or I don't want to be so hard on myself. Or, I would like to tweak this little thing about my routine. Well, a lot of it starts with emotion. And it's important to prime our own emotions, to address those. And it's important to feed our emotions. That when we do something that's working towards one of our goals, one of our dreams, that we can enjoy the positive feeling that we get from it and feed into it. And have more and more of those. To keep pumping up those good feelings, those good emotions. And keep snapping us out of the negative ones. So for this week, all I want for our family time is I want one thing that you do that immediately changes your emotional state. Hopefully for the positive. But if it's for the negative, that's something we can address. If there's something that you do that you know puts you in a bad mood, then that's something to consider. What can we do differently in that? 
But really, I'm looking for something more positive. What's something that you can do that immediately changes your mental state for the positive? Could be something as simple as listening to music. Maybe it's a specific song or specific type of music. Maybe it's reading something. Maybe it's watching a motivational video. But if there's something that you know you have, that becomes a tool to help you get out of those funks, to help us get out of those times when we're not in our optimal mental state. And that's so important. I use those little tricks and things all the time. Or maybe tricks isn't the best word. I use those tools all the time to keep myself in a positive mental state. So that's what we're looking at. We're going to work on our positive mental state, work on addressing our emotions. So think of one thing that you can do to help snap you out of a negative mental state immediately. I do things too like, you know, I'll, I'll keep things from students, from some of you. I'll have notes, uh, you know, maybe it's a thank you note from a graduation or something a student gives me, and I keep them somewhere so I can look at them and remind myself of this is why I do these things. This is what makes them important on the days where I'm busy and I'm not in the best mood, and it helps me snap out of that funk and get back in a positive state. Thank you. Let's have a great week. Much love.